0: Hey, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem Podcast, where we aim to help you, the big-hearted change maker with a bold vision to build a business that gives you butterflies and a life that makes you want to high-five yourself. How? By addressing the interconnected nature of all that you do. From marketing to mindset and everything in between, we believe your business is more ecosystem than monoculture and that when it comes to creating sustainable success, it's all connected and there is no one size fits all formula. Join us for conversations that embrace nuance, elevate the importance of empathy, and address the diverse and unique strengths that enable entrepreneurs to not just make money, but to make real lasting positive change in a regenerative and revolutionary way. Hey friends, welcome back. You might hear my school bus in the background, apologies for that, but it is not gonna interfere with the absolute majestic creature that we get to interview today, Chris Orsiakowski, whose last name is almost as hard to say as mine is what you get when you cross don draper and tony soprano he's an email copywriter who has written some books and he also owns a tiny agency that is quite the understatement of a bio that you got there chris but i like it short sweet welcome
1: Thank you. Yeah, I've been, uh, what I do is every time I go on a podcast, I just write something different or every time I do an interview. Um, so that was, I like that one best. I'm gonna roll with that one for a while. <laughs> I like it.
2: I have a question about tiny agencies because who do we have Mikel on? And she was like, I have a small agency. And Shanti's like, I have a small agency. And so like, there's so many other things we could talk about just, but based on your bio, like What's a tiny agency versus an agency agency or an enterprise agency?
1: Yeah. Uh, So the way it was explained to me, uh, there's this guy, Austin Bronner, who runs e-commerce influence and uh, brand growth experts, I think is his website. And he put it where there's like three kinds of agencies. There's kind of like the whale agency, which is like, you want to get as many clients as you can scale up. Maybe you want to sell it or want to get to where you have 700 employees and 1,000 clients or like whatever the the case might be, right? That's one type. The other type is like the straight-up productized service agency where you just launch like um, Annika Watkins is a great example of this with Moxie Copywriting. And then you have like the boutique agency, which is kind of like probably what I have and what most people have where – You only work with a handful of clients, you keep it intentionally small, you do work that's a little bit more bespoke. It's obviously somewhat productized because you're not doing a million different things, but it's within the same realm of the projects you're doing. But you get to have more creative freedom and go deeper with the clients that you work with. So that's how I defined it. Mm -hmm. Um, More like boutique, I guess, is the word where, uh, you know, I... I kind of explored all different models when I was growing my my team and everything. And um I just like doing, working with the clients that I want to work with and doing the kind of work that I want to do. And, you know, because I think what happens when you try to grow a big agency, like you have to take anyone who comes in, right? Like you can't really fire the clients because especially like if you have a partner and there's other fi- people have financial stake, it's like, you can't just tell a client to F off and fire them. Right. And then, you know, cause then it's like, Hey, we didn't talk about this. <laughs> like they had a six month contract or like whatever they did. Like it's always this consideration with the numbers and everything. But I just like being able to do the work that I want to do kind of work that I want to do the way I want to do it with the people I want to do it with. Mm. I
0: like it. Here, here. Yeah. totally. Yeah. Boutique. Bougie.
1: Boutique and bougie. Yeah. That's a. Uh...
0: Speaking of. Speaking of. Okay. Before we talk about anything else. Mm-hmm. I really have to ask you about this raw milk open loop that you dropped in your in your email from the other day. What's the deal and I'm just like praying that you're serious.
1: Oh, I'm I'm, I'm deadly serious. Um so like the food system is interesting in I mean really everywhere everywhere it's got different rules and regulations and I just see stuff. I'm, I'm kind of like LARPing as Howard Gossage a little bit. Like I like what he did with the Sierra Club back in the day, and like the, how he basically wrote ads and like stopped them from flooding the Grand Canyon and stopped them from cutting down like the redwood forest. So that's pretty cool that you could do that, right? And I was like, well, what could I do? And I, you know, I look around and people on Twitter always the places like, yeah, raw milk is good. And I was doing research, and people are like, the reason why most people are quote unquote lactose intolerant is they're not actually lactose intolerant. It's just that the milk is so pasteurized and bastardized that by the time it goes through the whole process, what you're drinking is what's upsetting your digestive system. And I'm sure that's not the case with everyone, right? But I think a lot of people, like I don't have those issues, but I'm like, why is there a law against this? Like, this is stupid. And then I started looking at like things in New Jersey, my home state, and like they were discussing having safe injection centers, which means like you can go and like shoot heroin in like a safe place. And then I was like, okay, so I can go shoot heroin, but I can't drink a glass of raw milk. And I was like, you know, I see these things in the world and I'm like, doesn't make sense to me, right? And uh, I know they're separate issues, but I'm like, it doesn't make sense that you can do one of those things onto the other thing, right? And then you could buy fireworks. And I remember like Jason Pierre-Paul, who's a player on the Giants, he like blew half his hand off, you know, that maybe that was six, seven years ago, whatever it was, right? I'm not saying like, oh, we got outlaw fireworks now, but I'm like, okay, but I could buy those. I can literally buy an explosive device and light it off. In my street, in my backyard, wherever, but like I can't drink a glass of raw milk, and I'm like, okay, well, if I drive over to Pennsylvania, because I used to do this back in like 2012, I was at a CrossFit gym, and they used to have a guy running over the border. It was like freaking prohibition, right? They had this guy load up the trunk, run across the border, very hush hush, right? (laughs) They would get raw milk, so like you know, he'd go to the drop-off site and you go and you pay. I think it was like ten dollars back then, so now it's probably twenty bucks equivalency, right? After inflation, you get your gallon of raw milk. And I was like, this is stupid. This is like so stupid, right? And I was like, are they stacking bodies along the Pennsylvania turnpike? Well, the, the people dying from raw milk. I was like, no, where's the bodies? You know what I'm saying? Like, So if you go to Pennsylvania, you could have raw milk, but it's it's the most dangerous, most regulated substance in the entire state, in New Jersey. So I was like, well, that's stupid. It doesn't make sense. And like, no one's really doing anything about it, right? So I was like, I'll be the guy. I'll be the guy. I'll fucking do it, like whatever. Like, I could write, I could persuade, and, like, it's a big challenge because what happens is it's kind of like in copywriting and marketing and, like, having your own business, like, there's this – I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but, like, sometimes you feel like you're chasing the dragon. Like, and that's obviously an analogy, like, with drug use, like, you take the first ever hit, that's the highest you ever get, and then you're always chasing that high. And sometimes with your business – Things tend to feel that way where, like, mm-hmm. you do a multi million dollar launch, you do another one, another one, then you get jaded. And you're like, okay, cool, another eighth multi million dollar launch. Like, who cares? Whatever. Right. And then you do a new project and that works. And then you get jaded with that. And then on and on and on. And it's like, okay, well, what's the next challenge? What's the next peak? What's the next mountain you could climb? So I'm like, I bet I could do this. I don't know if I could do it, but I'm going to figure out how to do it. I'm going to build a coalition. And I'm sure I'll make a lot of friends and go on a lot of crazy adventures along the way. But like, that's what I want to do. I want to make raw milk legal because then if I could do that, I bet I can make it legal in the entire country. And then if I could do that, well, what can't I do at that point, right? If I could change the laws, I mean, totally kind of crazy. I don't know. I don't know if I could do it, but what the hell else am I going to do? You know, I'm still going to do projects and make money and do all those things, publish books, but like, I don't know. You know, why not, right? Like, yes. That's, that's, that's can we be
0: the Canadian contingent? 100%. Yeah.
1: Because,
0: okay. And also, this reminded me of a quote. The only thing that can replace one story is another story. And that's Mm -hmm. uh, Yuval Noah Harari, kind of like transhumanist dude, but also really intelligent guy. And it's so true. You have to change the story about raw milk. And -hmm. what you're saying and explaining is so on point. It's such a good analogy for just how absurd so many of the current rules that our society adheres to really are Mm. man and the history of raw milk is fascinating have you read nourishing traditions
1: no but i'll add to my my list right now
0: okay so that is like raw milk history 101 check that out i used to get raw milk in northern edmonton dawn 90 minute drive to get this illegal raw milk and it was for chickens it was not for human consumption only for mm-hmm. chickens and animals so that's yeah that's yeah. that's
1: the loophole that's how you can get around it but like mm-hmm. you know you drink it for for thousands of years and it's fine it's like a lot there's a lot of stuff it's, a lot of people have been just like psyoped mm-hmm. into the whole red meat thing oh red meat's so bad Oh, it's killing on the planet it's like no it's actually not it's not bad. It's not killing the planet. You got psyop, bro. It's, it's okay. But like, now we got to unsyop everyone and like, basically yeah. be like, Hey, people did this for millions of years. Like it's a thousand, tens of thousands, whatever it was. So, you know, I don't know. Um, I like I like that quote about like changing the story with the new story, but like, that's, that's what I want to do. And I think, I think we we're, we're copywriters. Like we sell millions of dollars worth of product. Like, why can't we use yeah. like other people? Other people are doing it. Like my, my whole thing with everything I do in my business is like, why not me? Why can't I do that? Right. Like, why not? You know, who's going to tell me I can't do that. Tell, Go ahead. Tell me I can't do that. I'll go do it anyway. You know what I mean? Like that's always my philosophy. Like, you know, who are you to write a book? I don't know. I'm just going to go do it. Right. Like just do it, make it happen. So yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And and it's really exciting because like, if you, like I said, if you could do it once you could do it 10 times and you could do it for whatever you want. I think the raw milk thing, one last thing on the topic on my end is like, I'm not talking about like hot button politically divided issues. Like, I don't really think there's a lot of people who are going to be opposed. Like, it's kind of a bipartisan, like, it's not like left versus right. Like, I'm not trying to tag my that stuff. Like, I don't get involved in all that, you know, like, whatever. I just want to make milk raw again, you know, and that's what we're going to yes. do.
0: So make milk raw again uh, hey that is some it. swag that is some swag that you need to make <laughs> i will buy that shit so fast
2: <laughs> just to keep talking about raw milk um where i live you used to be able to like go with your own bag at the farmer's market to one of the stands and then like be like oh and i'll have the stuff and then you'd like give your bag and then they'd like go sneak it to you uh, yeah
0: anyway so yeah it so, is yeah. literally easier to order drugs on the internet but- yeah. Like anything you want than it is. I think I could get,
1: I think I could get like weapons grade plutonium easier than I could get raw <laughs> milk. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like this yeah. is, it's absolutely insane. So, you know, but then again, like what happens is like, if no one pushes back, like we got to bring the whole bureaucracy, this whole, like, got to bring people to heal. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, let's test out the whole democratic system. Like people say, oh, you know, it's democracy and you have a voice. Okay, well, let's test it out.
2: Mm-hmm. And if it
1: works, cool. Awesome right? And let's, let's make it work. Let's make it work for us. So, because that's the thing, there's so many people, you go online, everyone's talking shit. Okay, curse? If I say the S word, is that a big deal? You know, no, okay. it's fine. Okay. Everyone's talking shit. Everyone's got something to say. Everyone, oh, complain about this. What are you doing about anything? That's my big thing. Like, what are you doing about anything? You're not doing anything. You're not doing anything locally. People complain about everything on national level. What are you doing locally in your own community, in your own town, your own state, in your own city? Like you're not doing anything. So shut up. That's just what I just I'm so I just get fed up. I get fed up with everyone. So I'm like, I'm just gonna go do something crazy. I'm gonna do some crazy shit. Like make raw milk legal. And that's, that's just my, my, uh, my M.O., I guess.
2: Love it. Using the powers of persuasion for good. <laughs> not that yeah, but- we're not always using it for good, choosing products we believe in, etc. But I do think like, As copywriters, sometimes just like the constant chase chase to either make money or make your clients money just is so much less meaningful than like, I don't know, I went to university for political science because I wanted to change the world. And of course, I realized that would be just like getting like I don't want to get involved in NGOs and all that jazz. But then from the other side, if you're just sitting there trying to sell things for people even if you super believe in them it can't necessarily hit that same like meaningful mark in your soul that like making actual change in the world would um and I love the like start local for sure as like Shanti like starting your own garden you know get your own cow we've been talking about it since she moved actually to the and I am
0: I am going to now share cow responsibilities with a friend up the road who has hundreds of acres. So I had to go milk the cow a few times a week and I'm going to have a new best friend. I'm so excited.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah.
0: All right. So we'll stop talking about milk and start talking about, you know, business stuff. So we, spoiler, had all the questions about your origin story, prepped, and then saw that email. Oh, we cannot. So well, we, can do, gonna, we can do it. We can end do We're going to skim past it. Okay. But Chris Whatever is a you teacher. Want. Maybe, okay, maybe like 30 second Oprah version. How'd you get your start? Where are you now?
1: Yeah, so I was a teacher and like the first day I got home and I was like, oh man, I made a mistake. So I don't want to do this. And uh, but like, you know, you just got done with college, so spent all this money, you know, some of us <laughs> went for six years, and uh, so it's like, you know, what are you gonna do? Right. So uh I said, people make money on the internet, and I was like, that's interesting. Like, how does that work? And this was back in like 2013, so very different landscape. Like people were still using optimized press, you know what I mean, like ancient times practically, right? So I was like. Let's figure this out. And so I started like blogging and I started making like blogs. Like I had a strength conditioning blog I had a couple of those, which weren't great. And then I had uh a wrestling coaching blog because I was a wrestling coach. And that's really the only reason I wanted to be a teacher anyway, just so I could coach. I said, whatever, I'll just do this job and I'll coach wrestling. And then um so did that for a little bit. But uh I was doing all this stuff and I was like, Oh, I really like the writing part. I always loved writing. I was like, Oh, there's a thing called copywriting. And apparently, like people get paid thousands of dollars, like hand you a Google document with words. I was like, I'm going to do that. Sounds really cool. And uh, so I just, I was like hell bent on doing that. And then, like, my job was really tough. Uh, you know, I was that first year of teaching, I was getting to school like two hours early and then staying sometimes to like six, seven o'clock at night. I mean, I was teaching three different grades, two different subjects. So it was like hell on earth. So I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to, I got to. I could not do this for 40 years, right? So then I just started tumbling down the rabbit hole of learning copy. And uh, eventually, like 2015, I got my first paying client. And then I just said, I'm just going to continue. I'm just going to be the best at this thing and be the best at getting clients and be the best at like just I chose email. Like that was the thing I liked doing the most. Um, It's not the only thing I do. I've done a lot of different stuff, a lot of sales letters and launch packages and video scripts and product descriptions and a million other things like just like everyone else but i really just like the email stuff it was fun it was easy i could just do a lot of them and the economics of it worked out like back then i was charging like 100 bucks an email so i was like, I can do three these a day and that's 300 bucks and that's what i made my teaching job and i only had to work two or three hours to do that versus eight hours with a commute you know so that's what i did i just doubled down and um continue to just stay in my lane and really focus on getting good at that one thing and then um this compounding the skills and the learnings and the business and the audience and the content and everything over time.
2: When did you write your first book?
1: I want to say that was 2018, if memory serves correct. I think I did 2018. I think Scale Sleep was 2020 or 2019. And then I did this last one was just last month. So initially I was like, I'm going to do a book a year. I still want to do that, but books are a lot of work. <laughs> That's what I've learned. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully I can resume that schedule. But uh yeah, it's it's a lot, but they're fun. I like them.
2: Mm. I got a lot out of Scalo while you sleep. That was great. It was a couple years ago now that uh, that I read it or listened to it. Is it there? Do you have an audio? Yeah, I think I was listening to it, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's like inspiring. I think um your daily emails are pretty inspiring too, like that wrestling coach background i like feel it there was was it like a month or two ago that you were like started talking about the recession and instead of like being stressed out about it it felt like i don't know almost i need to print that email and put it up on my mirror and read it as like some like go 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 affirmations or something it was really great
1: yeah you know everyone's talking about the recession if it's going to happen i mean like people like we're already in it it's going to happen it's the bottom drop out it's like all right so what are you gonna do you go home. You pack it in. You're gonna quit. That's the thing. Like, do you know? Let's skip all the 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 what ifs and the maybes and the wallowing and just be like, okay, so make a choice. Is your business gonna grow or is it gonna is it gonna fall? And it's it's a choice. And if you don't make a choice, the choice has already been made, right? Mm-hmm. I was talking to this guy. He's a he's a guy I'm about to start doing some work for, and he was like he wasn't like being like a dick the way he said this. I thought it was really inspiring. He was like, honestly, bro. He was like, even there was a recession. He's like, I'm still getting paid. He's like, I don't care. I was like, fuck yeah, bro. Like, that's the mindset. Like, that's what like, you know, people like, no, you can't do that. I'm like, I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. So could you, that's the thing. Like, it's not just me. I'm no one special. I'm just the guy who said this is my mindset and this is what I'm going to do. And anyone can adopt the same mindset. It's not like a zero sum game, right? Like everyone can have that mindset because What is a recession anyway? It's when fears about the future of the economics of wherever you live or the system, right? So, like, fears—that's what it is. It's—it's a thing that's in your head that's causing people to act a certain way on a mass scale. That's literally all it is. I'm not saying like, oh, everyone just change your mindset, you know, like, but at a certain level, that is what has to happen for things to start going back up. I mean, that's literally the way it works. So, you know, I can't control everyone, but I can control myself. you can control yourself and that's always my thing right it's like you can choose i'm not participating in recessions i'm not doing it i don't care i'm going to find a way you can choose the same thing anyone could choose the same thing but it's got to start with that mindset of being like screw it whatever happens we're going to be okay people don't do that i don't know why they don't do that there's probably a number of different reasons why but like my thing is like my wife doesn't work anymore it's just me am i going to look my kids sorry hey can't pay our mortgage. Don't have food. Absolutely not. <laughs> not not an option. You know, like it's just not It's not even. It doesn't even register. It's just not an option on the form that we could select. You know what I mean? It's we're going to be successful. That's what's going to happen. And I think people. I don't know. I think because I was a wrestler, I have a little bit of a leg up in that department. Because like at the end of the day, like this is just typing words on a screen. You know what I mean? Like I'm not riding, running stadium stairs. I'm not getting my head pounded in you know, I'm not cutting weight. I'm not losing 17 pounds in four days. Like this is just typing words in the box. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, that's all we're doing. We're typing words in the box. So I know I, I ramble sometimes. So you gotta steer me, steer me back, you know, whatever.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love that. You like, don't take yourself that seriously. And I think that's part of the like doom and gloom around the recession is this like heaviness and seriousness that like, I have to be in control. It has to work how I want it to. And like, we have so little control in Mm -hmm. our lives and businesses. The only thing we can control is our own actions and attempt to control our our own thoughts and patterns. And that's it. So Yeah. yeah, kudos. And you have so many, like you have such a diverse library of offers for people. Like, I feel like you have something for business owners at every stage of their business. So I think that in a situation like we're in helps too, because you're not going to say to someone, well, sorry, you can't afford to hire me for 50 grand plus royalties or whatever your agency charges. You're not going to turn them away empty-handed. You've got the books and courses and the newsletter and all this other stuff. I'm curious, I'm curious if we can go back to the book and like, why did you start writing books and how did that strategy in particular impact your trajectory
1: in your business? So I started writing the books for two reasons. <laughs> One reason uh, there's this book. It's not very good. I thought the book kind of sucked ass. It could. It's one of those business books that could kind of be summed up on one page. I mean, I'm sure the author's a good guy. Like I shouldn't talk smack about him, but I don't know the guy. But uh, I think it was called Wanting. It was like The Science of Desire or something. I don't remember. But I think Andrew Wilkinson was the one who like recommended it. I read it. It was okay. Basically, you know, you sum it up in one sentence. It's like you're going to want to do the things that your friends do. A mimetic desire. It's like that whole theory. And one of my friends is publishing a book. I said, you know, I'm going to publish a book too. So like that, that was the first thing. <laughs> but the second, like bigger reason behind that was I was like, I'm going to be the guy who wrote the book on email marketing. And then when I'm going to bake off of someone else, I'm going to be like, cool. Well, you could choose that person, but I wrote the book and here you go. Here's a copy of my book. You know, you let me know what you decide. And cause if I wrote the book and you don't got a book, I'm going to win. Always hundred percent of the time. No. And I just realized that. And I didn't go to the publisher. I self-published, it doesn't matter though. You know what I mean? Like I have a book and you don't. And so like, I don't, I, I just see that these, there's these options on the table that no one picks up. And I said, I'll, I'll do that. I'll take that option. I will make the book. And I paid, I went with uh 90 minute books and they are great. And they helped me knock out my first book. And uh, it was a great process. And I think I paid, was a three grand, 2700, whatever it was. Uh, I think they've, I don't know what they're charging nowadays, but this was, you know, a few years ago and uh, paid the money. Produced the book, we got the book done, and then I was an author. And I said, okay, if I do it once, I can do it 10 times, right? So, you know, I went with them again for the second one, then I self published this one. I'll probably self publish the next one. I eventually, maybe we'll see, maybe I'll go to the big publisher one day when I have a big enough audience. But I said, I'm going to write books, and that's going to help me get hired. And it's going to help me charge what I want because I'm literally the dude who wrote the book on the topic. And then what started happening was other people were like, oh, I'll write a book too. I said, okay, now I'm going to write my second book. <laughs> and then we'll, when everyone starts writing the second book, then I'm write my third book. Right? So like, it's just one step ahead of the game. That's always what I'm trying to do. I'm always trying to like, you know, think two to three moves ahead and just stay on the offensive, essentially.
2: And it seems like in the last maybe six months of me watching you, you've been like on the offensive for growing your audience you've tried out all these different channels and how's that going? Is it fun? Do you like it? And, um, and like what, what's been the most fun and, and rewarding or, or not?
1: Yeah, I tried it. I, I did TikTok, Instagram. i I'm still can't get into Facebook. There's no humans at the company. It's all robots. I, no one wants, you can't even, there's, you can't even get in contact with a human over there. There's no, there's it's no true. email. There's no phone number
0: until you start running ads. And then they're like, let's get on a call and talk about your ad strategy.
1: My ad manager. Oh man, she's pissed at me. I ghosted her or like, she wanted to do a call. I guess we had to schedule I, I'm accidentally ghosted her. And she just like hell half no fury, like an ad manager scorned and she will not Answer my emails back. I'm like, please, like, you know, I'll buy you a gift. Please, just answer me. Like, help me get back into Facebook. I will want to spend money with you guys. I don't know if, if like, you know, if I don't know what happened. I don't know if she got disappeared. Who the hell knows? I don't know. Well, they
0: on. laid off eleven thousand people.
1: Maybe, maybe she got the ax. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I cannot get in contact. I I went through Instagram. No one will get back to me. They don't like me. I don't know. I must have said, I must have wrote an email about Zuckerberg. They don't like me. So I was doing Facebook a little bit back in the day. Uh, I did TikTok, which is the stupidest app in the world. LinkedIn, YouTube, we're doing a lot of Twitter. I like Twitter the best the reason why is because with Instagram and TikTok and those kind of things, like some people are just good on video. I don't think I'm one of those people. I could be wrong. I'm sure I could self-develop and pause my skills, but I also feel like with what I'm doing, like teaching, like copywriting, it's like so much about like the words and the, and like, there's people who do it and there's people who do a great job. Like Laura Bell, right? She does a great job. She does a phenomenal job, right? Like there's a lot of other people who have big audiences, but like for me, I just, I couldn't make it click. I don't know what it was. And also like, I had to physically like, okay, let me do a session of videos with Twitter. It's like my youngest son is sleeping in my arms. And, you know, like he doesn't like to be put down. So I got to hold him the whole time, which is fine. Right. So, but I'll have an hour, hour and a half, two hours. So I'll just go with, you know, with one hand and I'll just be like, shit, post, shit, post, shit post you know, and I'll just like start like talking shit and like engagement, engagement, you know, like, so I like it and uh, it's growing and I'm actually getting like leads and getting, you know, people coming in. Um, and it just caters to my style more in terms of like, like, I don't like, I, I guess I post some valuable stuff there. I do some threads, which is basically just, it's funny. Like I wrote all these articles starting from like 2016 on. And five years worth of long-form content that no one even knows exists. I tell people all the time, like, go to my blog. There's good stuff there. Nobody reads the blog. Whatever. It's fine. So we're just repurposing this. I was like, This is an amazing article. I'm like, thanks. I wrote this six years ago. I'm glad, like, people are finally noticing. But so I've been reposting that stuff. And just, like, I like Twitter because you can – like the person manning the Twitter is usually the person. Whereas Mm -hmm. like with Instagram, it's like they have a hundred thousand followers. Like they have a team, they have someone in the inbox, managing the DMs. I guess those people do that with Twitter, but like a lot of times, like you contact someone on Twitter, it's like that person. So like, it's good for connections. Mm LinkedIn has been great. Uh, You know, I didn't have a LinkedIn. I started doing LinkedIn. I'm like, wow, there's people here. They're actually like posting stuff. It's kind of like Facebook, except everyone's a lead. You know what I mean? So it's even better because you don't have like all like your relatives who are arguing about politics and everything else. It's literally just straight up leads, right? So I gotta lead today from from just me posting stuff on on uh, LinkedIn and I like my profile, my you know it's unoptimized, I don't have any keywords. I got you know, I just my bio is two sentences, you know, <laughs> Sorry, I don't do anything right there, but just posting content there like it's starting to work. So LinkedIn's great. I like YouTube because YouTube is indexable and it's searchable and it's SEOable. And that's like, I'm not the best in the world with that stuff. And again, it's a very high barred entry because what you got to do is you got to sit down and you got to get your ring light and you got to take the computer off the desk and you got to make sure you know, you're know you you're clean shape and, right, and you got to make sure you're good and you have your outline, you got to do your video and then you get send the video to the editor and you got to SEO everything you got to put it up. But no one's going to do that. It's just like no one's going to write a book. So I'll do that stuff. And that's why I will win and I will leave for other people because I will do the stuff that no one else wants to do. Now, I don't want to, Spend ninety percent of my time doing that, but if I can spend a ten percent of my time doing that, that's going to compound and grow and grow and grow. So, and the same thing with the long form blog posts. Everyone's like, "Oh, I get no leads. I'm a copper." I'm like, "Start doing content," and they're like, "Yeah, that takes too long." I'm like, "Okay, well then, I'll just take all your leads." Then you know what I mean? Like, you're a writer. Like, this shouldn't be difficult for you. Like, it's not as hard as doing YouTube videos as posting content. So. And the thing is, um, yeah, I've tried a lot of stuff. Uh, the thing is, like, everyone has different strengths and weaknesses. Like, just because I don't necessarily love Instagram or TikTok. Like, one of my buddies is going on TikTok right now. He's crushing it. Like, 45 days, he's already, uh, you know, gotten some videos that have popped off with of 70,000 views and everything else. And, like, uh, you know, whatever. I'm happy for him. I'm not going to do that. But, like, the thing is, whatever your strength is, if you have a platform you like and you like the the way that the content like the the distribution system way the algorithm kind of works and the type of content that pops off and it caters your strengths and absolutely do it. But for me, yeah, I've tried a lot of stuff and I'm always trying new stuff because I view my business like I teach what works based on what I've done, obviously with my clients and with my own business, but everything's, it's like my lab, it's my laboratory, right? So like I'm just going in testing stuff out and like everything I do people are like, Oh, you did this. Like I th- I start doing that too. I'm like, well, Hey, that was just an experiment. Like, you know, like maybe, you know, try your own stuff and see what works. Uh, until I like actually publish a long form thing or a book or or a newsletter or whatever it is on the thing that I actually did and say, Hey, definitively, I know I did X, Y, and Z and this worked this way.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's the most compelling. Uh, I wouldn't say it was an argument, but like work linkedin that it's like facebook but every person is a potential lead like yeah yeah i have a i have mindset obstacles against linkedin i don't know why but i love that mindset of just experiment see what works
1: my my thing is like i'd rather be rich than right and it's taken me a while to get there it's taken me a while to get out of the way of my own ego and i think everyone you know deals with this to some to some extent but i just got fed up and i was like man I, i don't care what works anymore just tell me, you know, we're going to try a bunch of stuff. We're going to double down on what works. And like, I don't care what it is. If it is TikTok, cool. If it's Clubhouse, which obviously you know, doesn't exist anymore or whatever. But like, whatever it is, like if it's a new platform and it works, cool. I don't care anymore. Like, you know, you can cling to the ideology or you can just do what works and enjoy your life and get on with it. Because the, the problem too is like, maybe you guys have experienced this, but like in our line of work, being an internet business, being a person on the internet who has a presence and everything. It's like, you used to be able to just go to a job. And then you leave the job and you don't think about the job until you're at the job again. Even if you're your own business, you go to the office and you work your job and then okay, maybe stay late because you're the owner or whatever. But then you go home. Maybe you're still thinking a little bit, but like you have separation of space and now with social media is even less separation. It's not only you have less separation of physical space in your own home, but you have less separation of mental space between when you're on and when you're off and who you are on certain platforms. Like you can't just go onto Instagram. Like, yeah, you can be friends, but then you have your business stuff and like, there's no, you have two accounts, you're gonna be that person. You know what I mean? It's very difficult to like navigate all of that. But through all that, I just said, you know, I just don't care about, I just care about doing what works. And then I'm not going to worry about, I feel a certain way about XYZ platform. I was very like against like, LinkedIn's stupid. Uh, but then I, I got on there and I was like, there's people here, they're talking, they're like posting stuff. I had no idea. I just thought everyone was just cold DMing people mm-hmm. about Hey, can we talk about your Facebook advertising? Can we talk about your, whatever? Yeah. there's actually people like talking and like having conversations. I was like, Oh, okay. So, you know, I thought it was stupid, but other people don't. So that's where they are. So I'm going to do some stuff on there. And mm-hmm. I don't know, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. For real. And that struggle is so, is so true that it's, there's no division between like work life, personal life, I, yeah, I get so in my head about all social media stuff because I'm like, can I share who I actually am? And like that, I'd rather be rich than right plays into that too because it's like, well, there's like a lot of shit going on in the world that would be fun and interesting to talk about with open-minded people. And yet we can't necessarily because then what happens? You like cannibalize based on ideology, clash, and it's, it's so complex. So you are so outspoken and honest and have no, it feels to me like no holds barred opinion is out there unapologetically. I love it. I totally admire that about you and about anyone who's like that. I personally, I'm like, Oh my god, I'm like my anxiety is coming up just watching any kind of polarizing topic rise to the surface. How have you navigated that? Like I know you cuz you share some of your email replies and the hate that you get. It's like it's so funny, but also does it does it affect you in a way that's not funny ever?
1: Okay. So with the email replies in particular, like what I've learned is that, you know, when your audience gets to a certain size, like you're just going to have a certain percentage of people who are just absolutely batshit insane. Uh, Tim Ferriss wrote an article about this and, you know, he has 5 million people on this list or whatever. So he's like, imagine the city of 5 million people. He's like, how many people are going to be murderers? How many people are going to be rapists? How many people are going to be car thieves? How many people are going to be drug addicts? You know what I mean? and like like even if it's even if it's 100 people out of 5 million which is insanely low percentage but even if it's 100 people that's a lot of crazy people who know who you are and are like following you and so like my audience you know, my email list is probably about 11,000 exact as of right now we we're at like 1090 10995 before but like that's still you know 11 you put 11,000 people like when i wrestled at Call in Atlantic City my senior year for the state tournament there were 13,000 people and that's a huge arena i was like wow that's almost the same amount of people that's a lot of human bodies right like So you're always going to have some crazy people. What I found, though, with most people online is that when they are talking shit to you, it's because it's either projection or displacement. It's always one of those two things, right? It's projection because they see what you're doing and they feel bad about themselves. So they're projecting their own insecurities onto you, right? Or it's displacement. Displacement for everyone who doesn't know what that means. It's just like, you know, the guy goes to work. He gets yelled at by his boss. He tucks his tail between his legs and he goes home and he kicks his dog that's displacement right so a lot of people do that they have <clears throat> some kind of trauma going on in their lives this is making them feel good because there's the separation there's the barrier of the internet from you know they wouldn't do this to you face to face because on the internet it's kind of like a pressure valve for them right so knowing that like i used to get mad i used to be like look this asshole talking shit right nowadays like i'll make fun of people if they're like really get personal with things that they say because i'm like okay you want to you know, take a jab. Maybe i will fucking do it right back. Like I don't put their information out there, but I'm like, hey, look at this dumbass, and like, let's make fun of them. You know, but like that's like if they just say like, hey, fuck off. Like, okay, whatever. That's not enough. But if someone's like, your book sucks and you suck, above, blah, blah, I'm like, all right, motherfucker. Like you're gonna, you're about to get scalped, right? But I think what also happens is like it's almost like you're people. <laughs> I'm gonna get like institutionalized after this podcast. They think like it's almost like you gotta have a human sacrifice. To appease the will of the crown, (laughs) you got to scalp someone in public. A number one. So like you put a head on the spike outside the castle and no one wants to invade because they're scared of what you're going to do to them. And B, it almost like is a pressure valve for other people who have their own frustrations and they can kind of cast them onto the person that you're scalping in your email. And the, uh, people are probably going to be like, this guy's a psycho. But like, that's kind of how people work. Like you look back through history, through how societies have worked and all these weird kind of things. Right. But like everyone wants the scapegoat. Everyone wants to like the, the you know, publicly shame whoever. So like give people that pressure valve and again like you might not want to do that and i just do that because like i know how people work and how mass crowds of people and you know it's always good to throw rocks at the common enemy right like that's always like blair warren one sentence persuasion course right but also like you know when people talk shit i just like my thing is like do you make more money than me are you more successful than me are you happier than me do you have a better life than me like if you don't have any of those things i don't give a shit you know like if you're someone who's like and the thing is what you find is that people who satisfied for this criteria they're never gonna talk shit about you anyway because why oh. why punch down like you have no reason to punch down people only punch up so like i know you're punching up i'm not gonna get concerned because you're punching up because you're trying to make yourself feel better and like that's just the frame and like people might think like oh you're really cocky to say that i'm like i don't know maybe but like i've had enough interactions with idiots on the internet There's just gonna be dumb people there's gonna be stupid people there's gonna be people who are assholes everywhere you go you know what i mean uh i don't have a lot some people get a lot i don't really have a ton but um part of being a person on the internet. That's what I've realized, you know, even like clients, you're gonna have clients who don't like, you're gonna have clients who are weird people. You know, everyone, like if you're doing business with anyone, but it's not different, like if you had a job, you'd run in the same thing. There's gonna be someone in the office, you like, there's gonna be a customer of the business or a client that you don't like. You can work at Dunkin' Donuts, there's gonna be some disgruntled asshole who walks in because you put too much milk in their latte or whatever, you know, there's always gonna be some kind of scenario. So it's just a matter of choosing the, like there's no utopia, there's no perfect, the grass is not greener anywhere, right? Like it's just choosing the set of problems that you are comfortable dealing with and then accepting that every day and then just moving forward with your life.
0: Bam, love it. Yeah, great advice. Agreed. I, I think that too, like, do I ever like intentionally comment or reply to people's emails just to knock them down and tell them they suck? Like, no, literally never because I would never waste my time doing those things and so for anyone who does it's like yeah it must be their form of therapy or something
1: Not it literally is i mean that's the thing like there's there's just a lot of crazy people and people and social media is making everyone crazier too so like you got to factor that into it like you know it's uh it's the wild west still it's very weird but mm. i don't know it's 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 there's good and bad you know there's good and bad and you just take the you just you just I don't know. I don't have all the answers. All I know <laughs> is just, you know, you you rally your, your people behind you and throw rocks at common enemies and continue on your mission. And that's the thing, like if you're helping people and doing genuinely good things for people, like who cares? You're always going to, you know, like, there's people who don't like Mother Teresa. You know what I mean? There's people who don't like all different kinds of very, you know, people who would be, you know, have very seen positively in the world. You know what I mean? Like there's always there's always someone who's gonna not like you. So it's like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna stop. Again, you can stop, you're gonna pack it in, you're gonna go home, or you're gonna keep on just doing your thing. Yeah. What else are you can do?
0: I have another quote for us. I found this one today. This is Audrey Lord. If I didn't define myself for myself, I would be crunched into other people's fantasies for me and eaten alive.
1: hmm Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing too, like you're never gonna be You're never going to have 100% people like you, even like with, you know, like, like you said before, like the world is a minefield right now. I feel like this, and again, I wasn't really alive then, but like, it's probably like what it was like living in terms of like what you could say and what you can't say to have your life ruined in like some communist countries, I would imagine. You know, again, like no one's shipping you off to the gulag, right? Thank God. Hopefully, at least not yet, right? (laughs) Like, like you can get your life ruined like that. You know what I mean? So like the world is a minefield. It's part of like having allies and part of having people who like you and are behind you and will have your back. And there's always pockets of people, but you can't be a lone wolf ever. You always got to just find, you got to find your cartel essentially, right? The whole world is just cartels. Whether it's a government, whether it's an actual cartel, whether it's just a people, group of people banding together for a common interest, like the whole world is cartels. So you just got to have your own cartel. Hmm. I like it.
0: Yeah. Will you guys be in my cartel?
1: Yes. We could be the copy cartel. We could be the... uh the raw, milk, raw milk.
2: There we go. <laughs> raw there milk. Go. Yes. The cow, the cow cartel. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of in our cartel, um, what will be the nootropic uh stack? And that's a Ooh, question yeah. from Shanti, but also uh Matt Brown wants to know, what are you taking for
1: nootropics? I just ran out. I actually need to order some more. So I was taking I was taking, there's this company called Gorilla Mind, and they had this Gorilla Mind Smooth, and they had a Gorilla Mushroom thing, uh, and I would take them both together, and before that, I've been taking those for a while, before that, actually, I just tried these things, they're not really, actually not that good, uh, these Neuromints, they're not great, they're kind of oh, yucky, okay. but I actually, like, I want to do, I want to launch, like, a gum brand that has nootropics and caffeine, that would be cool, mm, but... Okay. um. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of in the market. I'm actually in the market for some new stuff. I used to take Alpha Brain years ago, but I don't know if I if they changed the formula or if I just got kind of like used to it. But it didn't really have the kick it used to. Uh, I took that for a while. That was years ago from On It. But uh, lately, it's just been the Gorilla Mind stuff. But I, if you guys have suggestions, I'm I don't do any like the prescription stuff like the Modafinil or any of that stuff. I just don't know enough about that to go down that road. But if you guys have suggestions, I'm all ears.
0: Newtopia. Have you tried Newtopia?
1: No, I might have to okay. check it
0: out. So yeah, I got into Newtopia because of their quiz funnel. I was so impressed. I didn't make it, but I saw it and I was like, damn, this is fire. Like they're giving me my like set stack that I need. I'm, I got to order this stuff, even though it's like 400 bucks a month. It's crazy. And they give you so much in this kit. It's ridiculous. And the packaging is absurd and there's so much plastic. It's so wasteful and terrible. Like, I don't know how long I'll actually be on it for, but I had to try it. And it's it's pretty good. Like, there's various products that come with the – there's different levels of, of subscription. But, yeah, check that one out.
1: Mm, okay, yeah, I'm going to bookmark this right now.
2: I just use different mushroom powders and, like, make my own, like, cashew mushroom coffee things in the morning but actually was finding that lion's mane and matcha in the afternoon can be like mm. just like mixing mixing those two together is like a, was a really good big pick me up when i was working my butt off in Shanti's boutique agency it was like mm. all right 2 p.m let's go <laughs> how much <laughs> can we get out in the next three hours yeah um,
1: you, you need that a.m and p.m you know it's like
0: mm-hmm. i feel you on that totally yeah,
2: man, I could go for a matcha right now. I got my sugar-free gummies. Those work. High five sugar-free. <laughs> my mom's really into those too. <laughs> um, I have like a email every day question. I know we're getting close to wrapping up. First of all, are you writing and sending an email every day? I think I read your emails almost every single day. And you're one of a few people that that's for. And then when did you start doing it? And how has it affected your business or is there anything cool takeaway you can share with us for inspiration? Yeah,
1: I email pretty much every day on I average, at least once a day, because there's months when I'll do like two a day, like there's months when I'll do like 60 emails. So most of my emails are segmented though. You know, I try to hit at least once or twice a week with a the full list with like content or something, but you know, there's people who bought like six of my courses. So like, you know, I'm not going to continue to send them emails for stuff they bought or that would be kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. So I just, um, I hit usually some segment every day. I don't know if I want to continue doing it the rest of my life, you know, like it's fun, but at the same time, like, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's going to eventually become an impediment to my growth because from an EHR perspective, you know, in terms of like, there's certain jobs that I could do that only I could do in terms of like having the vision for the company and everything else. So it's good. And I email a lot because, you know, when I email a lot, I make a lot of money. But I would love to be able to have some more automation in place and a little bit of the cobbler's kids have shoes. issue. But we're kind of working on that right now. But I definitely want to have more automation going forward. Um, It's great, though. I mean, because, you know, if you're feeling inspired and you have good stuff to say, which, you know, I do most pretty much every single week and I have for years, um, it's good. But then, like, certain things, like, for instance, like, there are certain topics where I'm like, you know, I've talked about, I've written a thousand emails about this topic. Like, do you really need me to say more? You know, and the people who came in that day, they weren't there for the last thousand emails. So it's like, okay, well, from a customer experience standpoint, I have some fire Emails that I sent out like a year ago that they're never going to see. So I'm like, can I be smarter about this? And can I put an autoresponder that goes out every day, even if I don't have to send it every day? Right. So will I ever re- move away from the daily email? Not technically, because I'll always have some kind of automation going out. And then people eventually get into a back-end list, right? But it's good. It's just uh my time is just so limited now that I have two young kids, you know, and uh, which I think is a good thing because it's kind of forcing me into learning how to like grow the business, you know, like. I just looked at the 12 month revenue. We're at like 974. So I think we're going to hit a million. You know, it's going to be a photo finish top line. But um, it's like, okay, well, how do you get to two? How do you get to three? How do you get to five? How do you get to 10? Right. Like, am I still going to be writing daily emails at that point? Like, I don't know. Like, what, how do we get to 20? How do we get to 50? Right. Like, at what point do I have to give that up? So that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of advice out there, even like certain programs. Like, there's so many programs I see now, and everyone's like, you know, grow your business to 30K a month. I'm like, that's cool. That's cool from like three years ago, four years ago, whatever it is. But like, you know, it's harder to find past that. And even like, you know, with continuity, like there's certain offers, it's like, wow, that's really cool for the people who have like a one person business. And they are just like, Oh, I have a lifestyle business. I only want to make 15 or 20 K a month. Like That's cool. But like, new level, new devil. Right. So like, it's a good tool and I like it a lot. And, uh, but I'm also like, you know, what happens when I want to start a second business? What happens when I start a third business or moving other things? Like, so, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the future is going to hold. We'll see, but I'm publishing a lot now and I like it. And I'm going to keep doing it as long as I like it. And then once I don't like it, I'll, once I really don't want to do it anymore, then I just won't do it anymore. And I'll just figure that out then. So that's usually like my philosophy with everything in business though. So
2: I like it do you ever send out an
1: email without an offer um i have in the past but there's like no point to you know what i mean it's like the thing is like if you buy something you're gonna get your problem solved you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's almost like why would i withhold that you know mm-hmm. if you don't want to buy that's fine but it's a brand awareness tool it's like does coca-cola stop advertising ever you know what i mean like the biggest brand like sorry can't buy coke today no buy coke any second of the day it doesn't matter if it's christmas morning it doesn't matter if it's new year's at midnight like it don't matter like it doesn't matter if it's thanksgiving at four p.m. like you can buy a cocoa anytime you want they'll take your money you know so like why not have an offer every day you know and uh people are just scared the thing is like in our corner of the internet everyone's got their angle in terms of their system that they're selling and people are like you know you got to nurture and you gotta do this this and that and that's their differentiator but the biggest brands in the world sell every day like imagine walking in chipotle and be like man i'm starving like sorry actually today
0: you to nurture your hunger first we are going
1: to show you a documentary about the history of burritos so you <laughs> can see and watch this documentary. And maybe in three days, if you're still hungry then, which you probably will be, you can come back and we'll sell you a burrito. Like, it, it, you know, and people are like, oh yeah, I guess I kind of get it, right? But that's the thing, like if you want a bigger business, like to sell more stuff, you know? The thing, it's funny, because like I usually get less unsubscribes and I just do a straight up sales pitch. Like when I write content, sometimes people... Like more content have emails. Like, if it's like a real inspirational email, this won't happen. But if it's just like a content, like, oh, someone next a question, let me like flex my teaching muscle a little bit. Like, I'll get more unsubscribes. I'll be like, fine, I'll just fucking sell you stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what you people want from me anymore. Like, you want value, you want value, here's your value. And then they unsubscribe. So I'm like, okay. And, you know, then I do the straight sales email. And then people buy a product and they're like, wow, actually now my life has changed. So I'm like, okay, I'd rather just do that. You know, so marketers hold up a mirror to their their audience. And this is true with the products that we buy, you know, whatever we buy. like. People are like, oh, I don't like this, this, and that marketing. I'm like, okay, well, they're just holding up a mirror to the group of people that they're marketing to. So, like, if you don't like it, it's because you don't like something about yourself, not because the brand necessarily. Sort of like. People are gonna do; they're gonna look at the data and do what works. It's all a mirror.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, I'm coming around. I'm coming around to this like selling every email. I've definitely been indoctrinated into like the nurture 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 like wait for it and you know i think to some degree that's worked but also like i yeah i t- i totally get what you're saying of course you go into chipotle and you want a burrito and you don't want to wait around for the perfect moment when that burrito will be ready for you so yeah, yeah. and i ask a selfish question of
1: course
0: and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to share this information, but I'm really curious what percentage of your revenue is from your agency versus everything else.
1: It's a good question. I'd have to look at my P and L to give you an exact number. I definitely throttled down the amount of client work that I took on this year, mainly because you know we had our second child in June, and then ever since then it's been uh, all hands on deck scenario, you know, with the newborn and everything. In the past years, it was probably around 50% give or take before I had the agency it was definitely the lion's share, but I'd say, you know, it's hard. I'd probably give or take, you know, five, 10% either direction, like it, it month to month, it kind of varies. It depends, but yeah, maybe around like 50%. Cause then again, it's like tough to tell. It's like, well, then there's consulting that I do one-on-one and then there's like the agency coaching program, those kinds of like, where do those fall? Right. So yeah. I'd say it's probably around 50. Like the thing is like, it could be more, but, um, I just take, you know, like if I want more clients next year, I'll just take more clients. Like I still get client leads every single week. And, you know, I'm talking, I I got one I'm responding to right now, Kickstarter campaign, might take that one on. I have another pitch that I have out. I have another client I'm talking to right now. So even though I'm kind of like hamstrung in terms of my time, I'm only able to work like four-ish hours a day, five-ish hours a day, I'm still taking on opportunities. It's just I don't have as much time to like sit down, put eight-hour days in where I could take on like, yeah, I'll take on 12 clients at a time like I used to. So so that's the thing. Yeah, it's uh, and that's the thing too. It's like with the agency, it's very hard because I just like have my hand in everything. You know, it's very hard to let go. If it wasn't email that I was doing, if it was like, you know, Facebook ads, I wouldn't care. I'd grow that as big as possible because like, oh, I don't care about like, not that I don't care about the copy and the ads, but I'm like, it's not like I'm the email copywriter. So like with every email project, I always feel like it has to have a little bit of my thumbprint on it. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I just change one thing, which is a limiting factor in agency growth. Right. Uh, and I understand that, but, but that's the thing. It's like it's always also this game of like how do you continue to grow and serve more and more people and help more and more people? And like I can never keep up with all the leads that I have. I can never keep up with the clients. I can never keep up with all the people my list need help. So I'm like, I'm always trying to move to a point of higher leverage with the stuff that I do. Like one of the things I want to try to do next year is do like some kind of email marketing boot camp where I can take people through. Um, and I'm thinking about trademarking that name. We'll see. But uh, we'll see what happens if I actually do that. But like all the people on my list who like aren't copywriters who want to, you know, like they want me to train their team or they want me to do, you know, uh, some kind of workshop where they could, they could have the skill, they could develop the skill themselves without having to hire an agency. like we did that with the winner circle. But Could we do that in a different format that's more advantageous for us, more advantageous for them? So, like, it's always this constant chess match of, like, how do we continue to move to a point of higher leverage where the business grow, where we can hire more team and take better care of our people that we have and continue to pay them more and more and grow, you know, pour into them essentially, and also pour into more clients, not more people that way. So it's always this bit, it's like a Rubik's cube, you know, and like, I don't know how to solve it necessarily, but it's like, okay, we tried it this way. Okay. You know, let's we'll start it this way. Like started this program right for nine months. Ah, you know, it wasn't right. Let's, let's cut it. Let's regroup in six months and try it again a different way. Right. So that's a long winded way of answering your question. but
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate, baseball, it, yeah. I
1: appreciate
0: it. yeah. Cause we have like a similar model and I'm similar numbers. It's pretty close to 50, 50. And yeah. yeah, similar challenges around the agency side, which ha- yes, have to have my fingers in the pot, And, and then, yeah, the other side of like, what's going to create the most impact and leverage and all those buzzwords that, you know.
1: Yeah, I know it's, 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 it's tough because like, I want to do everything and I can't do everything. And it's like, everything you say yes to, you got to say no to something else. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard because you just, you want it all, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's another thing too. It's like learning how to let go of everything and say, I'm just going to take this little piece, right? Mm -hmm. That's like hard. And I haven't figured that out yet. And, you know, in time, I'm sure I will, but, uh, that's the hard thing about like, I want every client, even the ones I give away, I still want that client, you know, because I'm just like, killer you know like oh, i'm in that mode i'm like i want i want to close that deal like i want it i want it but you just realize you have limits and you can't right it's like every client even the clients that i pass past other people i'm like damn i would love to work with that person but uh, i mean not all of them there's definitely some who don't appeal but like it's you got to choose which set of problems which set of benefits that you want to deal with and then just stick with it you know
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but I like this fluidity that you're speaking about, too, in, in terms of your offers and in terms of like testing things and then seeing how they're working out and then and then shifting them, because I think like uh like it can be so limiting to be like, this is what I do and this is exactly how I do it. um And then not being able to respond to like, let's say, the 5000 new people you added to your list this year or something and and what they actually need. um Yeah, I think it's really inspiring and I like. The idea of keeping the agency tiny enough that you can be fluid in the other offers as well—that's really cool. Yeah.
1: I, I wish I wish I could just like I envy the people who like I do one thing and I'm really good at, it and so like I envy those people. So I'm like my brain—I'm just all over the place. Like I can't—not that I can't sit still, but it's like. I guess in terms of the the visionary integrator scale, like my visionary is like way up here because I'm always like, oh, it'd be cool to do this. Like, I want to. I'm a quick start. I want to start this. I'm to get it going. And then like once it's going, I'm like, okay, who do I hand this to? Like, I gotta give it the, you know, like hop a data, hop a data. Like who can I hand this off to, right? Um, and then I want I want to go on to the next thing. So again, like there's, but then there's people who are wired the exact opposite who just they're the rock, they're the mm. steady, right? they the steady drumbeat, right? They're just gonna show up every day and operate, right? So like what I've tried to do is align myself with people my team who can do those certain things and compliment me that way. So like I had to like hit the brakes like three times today, like, oh, I should send an email out for this position in my company. I send this email out for the survey for this new offer. And I'm like, slam on the brakes. You know, I'm talking to Cindy, my my director of ops tomorrow. I was like, let's just wait till I have the call. But mm-hmm. it's like a learned thing to be like, just hold on. You know, like don't launch that new thing just yet. Don't launch this new offer. Like just wait. <laughs> so it's tough. It's hard.
0: Mm. yeah man well thank you so much for Mm. sharing your wisdom with us and being so real and yeah it is hard but we're doing it and we're kind of crushing it so here's to that Mm. where can all the people listening learn from you and yeah
1: the book where do we find the book the book, if you go to the email copywriter.com slash client acquisition, I think that's the sales page URL. I mean, if you go to the email copywriter.com and get on my list, I'll be plugging it in pretty much every email. If you go to my YouTube channel, you may even get targeted for an ad for the book. <laughs> um, but the email copywriter.com is where I tell everyone to go. And you can get my make It rain book. There's a free copy of that there as of right now. That's that's what we have is the, the opt-in bribe. And yeah, that's pretty much, you can follow me on Twitter, at Chris Orzy. I do a lot of, you know, shit talking, shit posting there and make a lot lot of jokes. Some of them are funny, some not. That's that's pretty much it.
0: Awesome.
2: Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Yeah, looking forward to continuing to read your emails every day.
1: I appreciate that. Thanks for having me.
0: Whoa, look at you listening to the very end. We are so deeply grateful for you and borderline obsessed with hearing what resonated most and how you're taking the seeds planted in these conversations and sowing them in your life and business. It would mean more than you know if you would share this episode with a friend or subscribe, rate, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Your reviews tell the algos behind the apps that we are worth pressing play on. So please, if you're feeling generous, take two minutes to share the love. And if you are curious around what your unique advantage is in this wild and wacky online world, take the unfair advantage quiz at shandyzack.com. Forward slash UA quiz. And thank you again, Sunshine. Go light up the world, and we'll see you next time.